Grand Moff Tarkin, I am honored by your visit. Welcome to Grand Moff Talkin', delicately curated long-form discussion of the internationally beloved Star Wars saga, tailored to the modern fanatic, brought to you lovingly in weekly increments by the loquacious yet soothing voices of your hosts, Riley, hey, Jake, that's me, and Isaac. Hey guys. Goodbye, listeners. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Is this real? Yeah. Where are we? We already lost. If you're a new listener, we don't do that all the time. No. But you know why we did it? It's because we love The Force Awakens. And none of us wanted the... To hog the spotlight. Okay, so we're all three hosts for this episode, which will not be a garbled That's not mess by work any means. We can have a host. We just, I, I did think it'd be fun if we did the intro together. Is... Hey, and it was fun. We're talking about a, a little movie that came out in the year 2015 called The Force. Called Star Wars: The Force Awakens. <laughs> <laughs> the we old planet. We did it. The old Tifa. Uh, so this movie is, I, I think we can all agree, this is a very good movie. I love it so much. No spoilers, but we all love it. Hashtag no spoilers, but we love Force Awakens. Can I say something? Isaac, please. Let's talk through this as this episode goes on, mm-hmm. but I I'm, I worry that my love for this film has plateaued. It hasn't diminished, but I feel like it may have plateaued. A lot of people don't know this, but a plateau is like a flat space. Is like that like a, a is that local like a, chain in Ohio. Let's say, is, how, how does that relate to Walmart? Is that similar? It's like a half-price books. Oh, yeah. it's like a half-price mountain. That's exactly what it is. No kidding. Yeah. I feel the same way. Like most of um, these episodes so far, a lot of my notes are nitpicks, but I would say out of all the notes I've taken, this one I have the most like just fan-out fun mm-hmm. things to talk about. Not that it's the best Star Wars movie, I, I s- however. I struggle to find like things to say about this because I I this like a bad it. podcast yeah, yeah. struggling to find for, it's already not very good it for me it's gonna be bad I just like I like it I like everything in it and aside yeah, from that I don't know what to say you know what we should do and it, and it's kind of like what we did with the rogue with the rogue one I want to address a couple criticisms that yeah. have cropped up because what's happened like what happens with all popular movies is it got great reception everybody loved it so then cool people decided like that it. it was the worst thing that's ever happened in the history of America. Right. So, cuz that's how you separate yourself in the YouTube comment section. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm talking specifically <laughs> about the red letter media comment section. If you want to know oh. where like people complaining about geek girls went, right there, <laughs> and they're complaining about how the sequel trilogy is the worst thing to ever happen to film. Why is that? The biggest thing, we talked about this a little bit before the podcast, but this really annoying thing that's come up and it happened fairly soon after the movie came out, was Ray is a Mary Sue. Now, I don't think that I had ever heard widely used by so many people. It's everywhere. And just every 12-year-old moron on the internet, the term Mary Sue. It's almost like sexist people got out their dictionaries after this movie came out, like, what's a way I can bring down this Ray character? (laughs) Like, ah, this term that exists. And now everybody uses it. But basically, a Mary Sue is what, Riley? How how is this described? Because I'm not sure I entirely understand it. I think it started out as a character insert. Like, people would say, the author made this character who is super powerful, always just does the right thing, everybody loves this character, and it's kind of an insert for the author. I, I, I think right, how it yes. started, mm-hmm. 
these days I feel like the term takes on more of a, you know, this character is just way more powerful than they should be. Things come to them more easily and, and they're not relatable and and you know that, that would never be real life. You know? Any character that threatens you as a man. <laughs> <laughs> yes, also that definition. <laughs> if you feel a little uncomfortable or, or weaker than a female character, you have to bring them down to yeah, your level. Everybody exactly. knows that. that's the only way to do no, it. I think basically what it is is uh, the insult is, and I, I think it's probably a actual criticism you can make of certain characters. Yeah. Is this character does not have an actual character? They're just their their character is they are stronger than everybody else. They don't have any struggle to get to where they're at. Right. Everything they're just amazing so easily, at everything. You know, everybody loves them. However, that is so blatantly not true. Right. I think we'll talk about it throughout the movie. Yeah. But I thought we should address that first, just to say that we're not like that. We well, love Ray. Ray is obviously, they go through great pains to show. When she's taking off with the Millennium Falcon for the first time, she almost crashes it right. like a many times right. throughout this action set piece. I don't understand how people buy that criticism. I, I Are was, there any criticisms that annoy you guys? I, I'm sorry. I well, yeah, that that's the main one that, that annoys me. And I will say, I I think she is the reason that Han Solo dies. So I don't... Whoa. No, seriously. Whoa. I don't, I don't hot think takes. you can... Hot take... Uh, if she didn't get, we'll talk about it more, but if she didn't chicken out, run away from the vision that she had, she wouldn't get captured. They wouldn't have to send Finn and Han Solo to get her. Han Solo wouldn't be on the bridge. No. Kylo wouldn't have killed his dad. So I think Interesting. Th that her failure in that moment to run away is is what ultimately led to Han Solo dying, I think. So I don't... Yeah. It, it's almost like people are saying this character never made any mistakes. They're just perfect at everything. Right. But I think they really try to show that Rey is an imperfect person that's, like, you know, getting stronger and more sure of herself and not and getting over her fears. Right. You know, well, she's very afraid that her parents aren't going to come back and she gets over that. People, yeah. I think, only see sometimes, like, the physical side of the character where they see that she... Is like flying a sip, sip. A sip. <laughs> As you do, she flies the sip. She's good with weapons, good with guns. She's good with all this stuff. But the thing is, she is like she's put up these psychological walls around herself so that she won't leave Jakku. I mean, like she's yeah, she's kind of an emotionally damaged character. But we, do, I think we'll find out throughout this sequel trilogy why she might be that way. But she she's presented to us as kind of like. I don't want to say childlike in her in her demeanor just because she's not around people a lot or she's just kind of isolated because I go back to that scene where she's like she's eaten like an animal by herself and then like is that a thing that happened in this movie well, you she see, chops like, into like, an animal by no, herself she's, she's like, like scooping the food up oh. with her fingers I didn't mean that she was eating an yeah, animal and she's like scarfing it down like making noises and then after that like <laughs> not what happened her recreation <laughs> jump, 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 jump. Kind of if like you watch that. the movie it's, it's kind of like that <laughs> But and then okay. after that, her recreation is she puts on an old helmet and just is like staring around, which I found to be a very humorous moment in the movie. It's yeah, like, it's endearing. It's fun. Sure. Yeah, it's yeah. A, yeah. Are we? Should we just talk about Ray? Okay, we already start. Let's just. We kind of did this for Rogue yeah. One. It ended Guys. up working out. Let's just talk about characters, Guys. plot points. If we're gonna talk about the movie, <laughs> I want to go gotta, see my scene, To be honest, with I, I want to acknowledge the fact that this movie was the rebirth of Star Wars. What were we thinking? Before Force Awakens came out. What are you talking about? Oh, we should to do the thing no, that we always do, do, which is get our headspace. Yeah, where, where were our heads at before this? What were we thinking about Force Awakens in summer 2015? I personally was thinking, when, when it was all announced, I was, I'm a huge Star Wars fan, so I was psyched that there's going to be new Star Wars. The thing that 
freaked me out a little bit. <laughs> freaked out is a strong word. Like, ah! It wasn't like that. It was a real jump scare. Oh, no. It was, um, yeah, it was a jump scare. It's like the loud noise <laughs> happens, and I... It's like a little screeching, scary when like, Finn jumps into frame. Yeah, exactly. Here. Like that terrible mummy trailer, which is just like this horrible jump scare sound happens. That like, movie. nothing scary happens. He just sits up in a chair. That and movie it's like, looks Wah! so bad. Yeah. The mummy's like, where awful. are you? Here. <laughs> jump scare and Batman begins. Let so, us speak. <laughs> so, my feeling... Um, where I got a little worried was when they announced that the original cast was returning Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, and Mary Louise Dreyfus. <laughs> <laughs> Mary Louise Dreyfus. Yeah. Who is that? What's happening is I can't think of Harrison Ford's name. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was thinking of Mary Sue and Julie Louise Dreyfus. Han Solo. So. Hey, they announced those characters. Hey, Maz. <laughs> they announced those characters are coming back. And at the time, I didn't even know the language to say "Hey, Maz" because I hadn't seen the movie. Right. But what I was thinking was, "Hey, Maz." When I saw the movie, I was like, "Hey, Maz." Did you think that Maz Kanawa was gonna be the main character in the yeah. Force Awakens? Yeah. Hoping. Before they even announced the the character's name, I was like, "There's gonna be a character named Maz Kanata. She's gonna be the main character." But what, what I was actually thinking was, this is going to be like an awkward. Like Seinfeld reunion, which they never actually did, but you know some On reunion curb they did. of it. Sure, uh, but uh, and they kind of did it in a meta way. But a lot of sitcoms that don't do that, it's just awkward because you're seeing people try to reprise these roles, and most of them hadn't acted well in a long time. Right. You know, Harrison Ford had been in a bunch of garbage movies. Well, Carrie Fisher had been doing, <laughs> you know, like screenwriting. She hadn't been doing a lot of acting. Script doctor. And she, uh, you like know, Mark Mark Hamill had been doing voice acting. Right. None of them had really done something of incredible icon iconography that they they haven't these characters have been alive but none of them have done these characters since 1983 right so i was just like nobody wants to see these you know characters who are now old trying to relive their former glory and pretending like they're young people again so that was my greatest fear is they're gonna just try to pretend like mark hamill is still super awesome young and only, Skywalker, and not address the aging of it, you know? And only one of them was doing that, and it fits with the character, and it works Absolutely. so well. Yeah. When I saw it, yeah, we'll get into it when we get there, but they nailed the usage of the original cast. Yeah. I was totally... Yeah, I agree. And I honestly, I was worried in particular about Harrison Ford, because he had been in a lot of really bad movies, and <laughs> he, he just seemed to not care. He's checked out of a lot of bad Particularly movies. in Indiana Jones, he just did not even <laughs> bother showing up, which I don't blame him, but yeah. he was just kind of a almost a joke we forget now because now he was so good in force awakens but yeah. i was really worried because reports kept coming out that he was going to be a really central character in this <laughs> movie and i was like oh no <laughs> and oh my goodness he's amazing in this he's movie good. but yeah like we're, I'm what did you think all, isaac well it didn't feel real for a while honestly i mean it, it, it was kind of on the back burner of my mind like leading up to the force awakens probably until about 2015 when that came around it started to become real probably with the uh, the initial teaser there that black friday before it was it out. announced in 2012? I, I they don't think this with movie the, was, was well, it? Well, with the sale of Lucasfilm, yeah. didn't they say, like, we're going to make new movies? They did it I, I think it was assumed. I don't know. Same I day, like they, basically. I feel like they announced the new movies. It wasn't until much later that they announced that the original cast was coming back. Right. And, and so, it wasn't too much later. You yeah. don't buy Star Wars without knowing you're yeah. going to make new movies yeah. anyway. And the name Force Awakens came out a little bit before that trailer. So, yeah, that... Black Friday 2014 was when that first trailer came out, and that was obviously really cool. Yeah. And the second trailer was great, but I remember that last trailer before The Force Awakens really resonating with me when it was like the feature-length trailer that gave us the most to go off of. I feel like that's It was the one with Luke's voiceover? Yeah. No, 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 the next one. Oh. 
That was my favorite trailer. One like the Force is Strong in my family. You're not talking about that one. I don't remember the last. No, I'm talking about the last one that debuted on Monday Night Football, where it Uh, had for obvious reasons I didn't see that one. The one note, oh boy, the one note piano music where it's like, oh yeah, yeah. and then it leads up to like the Han and Leia theme, and then it goes into like the thunderous Force theme. They do that in the movie voiceover one though too. I think. This is ne- definitely not what no, we're talking about not, at all. Not, anyway, nobody cares. <laughs> the one that I'm thinking of in my brain that made me excited, that's when I think when it really became real for me. And so, yeah, I, I think I kind of maybe had the same concerns that you did, Jake, where I'm like, how are they going to use the old people in this movie? Is it just kind of kind of be a reunion? Am right. I going to care? I, I saw there's a character named Ray and there's a character named Finn. And how are they going to fit into all of this? And will I care about them? It was such an afterthought that they announced them. You're like, okay, but who cares yeah. about those guys? <laughs> Absolutely. What did you think, Riley? I I think I've said before that I I had sort of fallen off the Star Wars wagon. I had too, to be honest. And 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 then when Disney bought Star Wars, I was back in. And I yeah, I was I was 100 percent in on this movie. I loved all the trailers. I was just I was so ready for more Star Wars. And and I was I was he gets a lot of flack, but I was very excited about J.J. Abrams. I like oh, J.J. Yeah. Abrams a lot, a hundred percent. I was like all in. I was very excited about J.J. I'm a huge J.J. Abrams fan. It's become also popular to hate on J.J. Abrams, right? But he's always been a director that I've loved a lot. Um, I'm a huge Lost fan. He didn't have a lot to do creatively with that show after the pilot, but right. I mean, I've always. He did have a lot to do with the general vibe of that show when they were launching it. I love Super 8. I think it's a really underrated mm. movie. Mm-hmm. I love um, his uh, Mission Impossible movie. I think that's a super underrated Mission Impossible movie with uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman in it. Yeah, I, I think J.J. Abrams, he was like the perfect man for the job. I mean, it's, oh, like, absolutely. it's like hiring a roofer for a plumbing problem. I mean, you you hire a plumber for a plumbing problem. And so you needed to reboot a franchise, and I feel like J.J. Abrams, he's the perfect, he's Hollywood's perfect, like, cover band artist, he's Hollywood's perfect guy to reboot a franchise, like, Super yeah. 8 was, like, a perfect Spielberg movie that wasn't made by Spielberg. Right. Is, is there a way you can relate this to me in a sports metaphor? Can you relate it to me in a tissue metaphor? <laughs> <laughs> Alright, Shaquille O'Neal blows his nose, <laughs> and I'm done now. So, we were all pretty on board with some trepidation. Did you immediately like the movie after it came out, yes, Riley? absolutely. Yeah. Isaac, I know you're, in, in real life, I know how you felt about it, but for the podcast, <laughs> were you on board with it right away? Oh, man. I uh, I remember, honestly, like the first time I watched it, like I was just so happy. Like just seeing it, op- really just like thinking to myself, Star Wars is back. Like that. You yeah. thought to yourself that exact time you said, Isaac? Star Wars is back. I almost kind of said that to myself in an inner monologue. <laughs> I was like living. I, I was like living out my own like biopic in my head when Star Wars came out. I'm like, Isaac, this is a very important moment in your life. Like, just that's uh, a little sad. What? Come on. <laughs> in terms, come of, on. We're on a Star Wars podcast. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I was we all say, were psyched. In terms of non-essential things to the human existence, this is probably the most important. <laughs> that's to be mo- okay. I mean, it's. For me personally, I mean, like, as far as, like... For you personally. I, I said on our very first episode... For you as a person. Yes, as a person, pop culture-wise, nothing comes close to Star Wars for me. Fair enough. This is, like, from as early as I can remember, it's been so important. And so to have it back in this way, it was it was tremendous. I was so, so totally on board with it. I just was sitting back, and I was thinking, Star Wars is back. <laughs> no, I really was, like... I hate you! I had to take a second and just, like, 
dude, they nailed it. I couldn't believe how well they executed it. The moment I was 100% all in on this movie and it could have ended right there and I would have been happy is in the title crawl when it says Luke Skywalker has vanished. <laughs> I thought, oh, I'm like, I, I need to watch this movie now. That is the perfect way to start a title crawl, and I loved it. A lot of times, Riley's favorite part of a movie is the opening words of a title crawl. You know noticed. what? They nailed it in this one, though. Oh, that they totally is a did. great Luke Skywalker opening. has vanished Sorry. is just completely not how I expected the movie no. to open. Oh, not yeah. at all. And what a gripping way to just address the fact this character is not going to be in the movie. Make him the MacGuffin. Make him right. the thing. The characters are constantly seeking the whole time. It's perfect. So you know, I was gonna say like Riley was. I, I was kind of a little bit more snobbish about this movie. Riley was in on the first sentence of the crawl. It took me <laughs> until Kylo Ren stopping Poe Dameron's blaster bolt. Oh. Same exact when I was thing. in. That was like, okay, you got me, guys. Can I make an executive decision? I want to go, go scene by scene in this movie. I because I, I got a lot to say about everything. Okay. That was also where I was totally all in because when it first started. I was a little worried, to be honest with you. Like I, oh yeah. Now here's what I'll say about the very, very beginning. No, yeah. T- well, how- title crawl was great. The opening shot. This is my favorite opening shot in all of Star Wars movies. No kidding. The pure white, like moon, slowly being overshadowed by this dark, sh- literally the shadow of the Empire, which is what the movie was going to be called for a while, actually. <laughs> um, that's true. Ray so, used to be called Dash Rendar. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true, but Pablo Hidalgo did say that that was the tentative title for a long time with Shadow of the Empire. I'm glad they didn't. It would have been kind of... Too much baggage with that Yeah, name. it would have been kind of a uh, nose flick at uh, fans of the Expanded Universe. Yeah. And N64 fans. So, <laughs> the um, opening image is great, but to me, the first thing you see is Stormtroopers. And I was thinking of the end of... Return of the Jedi, and what so much of the hype of the movie is, that's part of watching Star Wars these days. You have to deactivate the marketing part of it from your brain when you watch the actual movie, but so much of it was, we're making a sequel to Return of the Jedi. Oh my goodness. This is not a sequel to Return of the Jedi. This is a new trilogy, establishing new characters and a new generation of Star Wars. So I'm thinking, sequel to Return of the Jedi, the Jedi ends, the characters, this wonderfully hopeful moment, they've just for all intents and purposes, stop the Empire. Perhaps there's a few remnants of it left, but that's not the impression you're left with at the end of Return of the Jedi. It's everyone's dancing, having a good time. All of our three main characters are together. Smash cut to Stormtroopers are back. <laughs> <laughs> the Empire is just back, and everything's the same. So I was like, ooh, I don't know if that's how I wanted to start. And then the opening words of this movie are so portentous and ridiculous. <laughs> I love it. I love this it This will so begin much. to make things right. I love it so much. Oh, I love it now. But I'm this... surprised you hate that as a prequel lover. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> JJ's like, what... uh, they didn't like the prequels. I'm gonna make things right. Is that what do you do you believe that conspiracy that Absolutely hundred percent read it? I don't know. As genuine just... dialogue? No. <laughs> no I, it could be genuine dialogue, but but in the context in the context of Star Wars, I think he meant it. And it's the only meta reference to stuff like that, but right. <laughs> it was the first line of the movie. The, the whole opening scene kind of bothered me, too, and now it's one of my favorite things about it, but every line of dialogue was so, like, portentous and so everything leads to foreshadowing terrible things. Everything is, look how old you become. Something far worse has happened to you. I know what you've come for. I know where you come from. Before you called yourself Kylo Ren. Who talks first? You talk first? I talk first? Well, that was good, but <laughs> yeah. everything before that was, and you will never, you cannot deny the truth. That is your family, and just like everything You're is so like, right. we, we get it. There's a mystery, and there's stuff happening. I was a little bit like, this writing is so on the nose and like in your face. Mm-hmm. However, 
as soon as Kylo Ren stops the laser, I was like, oh, this is Star Wars. And then once Poe Dameron's quipping at Kylo Ren, I was like, yeah, this is Can this we is talk good. about Lore Santeca for a second? Because I remember in the visual guide, he is a member of the Church of the Force. Oh, yeah. Isn't yeah. that what it's literally called? It's yeah. literally called the Church of the Force. It's a bit of a and bummer. What's interesting is as much as J.J. likes to call A New Hope Star Wars and likes to not like the prequels, this the element of the Church of the Force kind of harkens to the fact that not everyone can be a Jedi. That there are people who observe like the tenet, or like they they're worshippers of the Force, but they're not users of it. They're not manipulators of it. Yeah. Because, for lack of a better term, their midichlorian count isn't high enough. <laughs> lot, Sorry lot, for non people. Midichlorian a dirty word, guys. Can we? Can we'll we get... talk about that on its own episode. Yeah, that's a Force episode. Right? Yeah. Suspiciously, they're absent from this movie. Yeah. Um. And they so, and, and all and everything besides, I mean, they're absent from the prequels besides Phantom Menace. Yeah, that's true. So, Laura Santeca dies immediately, which is a bit of a bummer because Max von Sydow, amazing right. actor. I kept on thinking like, oh wow, we're starting to have with a this big, character. This is gonna be great. Role. Which is a cool thing to do is to immediately throw you off. Mm-hmm. You're introduced to Kylo Ren. What an awesome character <laughs> Kylo Ren is. His design, his voice, his mask. The lightsaber. The, the blown out speaker voice oh, is great. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. I'd say after Ray, I've probably heard the most complaints about Kylo. That is equally insulting. I know. Me. It's it's can crazy. I, can I give a, a take that's going to insult listeners who agree with this take? I don't understand what you're saying. <laughs> I continue. Think that people's problem with Kylo Ren is that he reminds them of <laughs> they themselves. They identify with him. Yeah. <laughs> He's He is, like the complaints I heard, well, I'm not really scared of him. He's kind of, you know, he's kind of weak and he's like he's not threatening i'm like that's that's his whole thing the welcome to the complaint complaint but (laughs) the thing that bothers me is people are like when he took his mask off and he's just some kid i laughed and it's like yeah Yeah, that's the whole point that's why he wears the mask they cut to ray doing a what kind of face she she looks at him like are you serious yeah it's supposed to be a moment where you're like yeah this is silly he's just just some kid i heard it somewhere compared to when star wars first came out what people like what the bad guy was, what the antagonist was of the seventies was like the establishment and the man and like the corporate stuff. Right. And you had like uh, the empire, you had Darth Vader who kind of represented that in like smash cut to the 21st century in the year 2015. And the things that people are worried about are like, you have school shooters, you have like lone wolf terrorists, you have people yeah. who like develop their hatred on the internet. And that's what Kylo Ren is. Yeah, he is. He's a, he's a young person filled with hatred. Like, he is the kind of person that you wouldn't be surprised if he showed up on the news as having done something terrible. Anyway, this opening scene, I think I have a note about this. Going back to Jake's nitpicks here. It's not a nitpick. It's just a, it's a question. Is this little village that they're in, they cut to, like, a, a wide shot of it, an exterior, and it's, like, on a giant crater? How does anybody get there? Well, how do they get to Jeddah City, then? They don't need to, yeah, they don't need to leave. I'm confused by these I, cities I, that take place on a gigantic cliff, and there's yeah. If only there's like I want to see some stairs. There's like some ships that could fly around or something. It's, things for would some make more reason sense. that place struck me as like a really poor <laughs> yeah. kind of outskirts village. Now we're also introduced, and we don't know at the time we're introduced to a stormtrooper. Like the action zooms in, and it's such a genius moment. Mm. This was a brilliant like Lawrence Kasdan idea. He actually wrote the script for this movie. So yes. it was actually Larry, we should, we should mention that. Yeah. Old Larry came by. He's like, I got an idea for you, JJ. How about this little number? Mm. In Star Wars movies, you're just so used to seeing stormtroopers shooting stuff. But you're not expected. You see the stormtrooper go down. 
you see another stormtrooper rush to the stormtrooper's side, and it zooms in on right. him, and you're like, oh, we're focusing our attention on yeah. this? Like, you're wondering... Why should I care about these people? This movie is trying to reestablish Star Wars as what Star Wars is, quote-unquote. It's obviously sticking very close to what A New Hope did, but this is a really smart twist, I think. Do you remember in A New Hope, the story of that stormtrooper that we followed throughout the film, and we learned to care about him by the end of the movie? <laughs> what a ripoff. I really like how The Force Awakens <laughs> took that concept literally shot for shot. Another note I had about this this beginning with all <laughs> with all the fighting, <laughs> Jake is choking on pizza. <laughs> Easy there, buddy. <laughs> Somebody help. Please send help. <laughs> um, another note I had. This is, I I believe, right in if I'm wrong, correct me. But I think this is the first Star Wars movie without Ben Burt as a sound designer. Was it all Matt Wood in this I one? I think so. I think, ben, be. I think Ben Burt was done with Star Wars, so I, I'm pretty sure it's all Matt no, Wood. No, he hasn't passed away, has he? Ben no, he's still, no, he's, he's still alive. He just, he's just retired. Yeah, like he's he's he doesn't do anything thing. anymore. You know he, what? The sound design couple, in this movie is very good. And that's what I was going to say. I think they did a great job of yeah. carrying on that legacy. Because like, the music and sound of Star Wars is over 50% of Star Wars, probably, when so you get down to it. Didn't they, Matt Wood come in around the prequels, and he's been there ever since. So he's he, was, kinda, he was the heir apparent yeah. anyway. I'm pretty sure he was the voice of Grievous. He was, I believe. Yeah. yeah, he was. Yeah, so he was around, so he learned from Ben Burt and, and continues it with this. That's kind of what's neat about Lucasfilm is there's almost an apprenticeship thing mm. that kind of mm-hmm. happens, which is yeah, really with cool. Filoni yeah, under Lucas himself. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So that's just a neat thing about that yeah. company um, for people that worry about Disney interfering too yeah. much. Disney is, they kept all the guys. Disney is paying them money to put out the movies. <laughs> Lucasfilm right. was still in charge, and all those guys were trained by the best. What's neat about this movie, this has been pointed out by smarter people, but what this movie does, which is interesting, it introduces you to all the main characters in a mask before we see their true face. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to say that Poe Dameron is not a main character in this movie. He's ancillary. He's really barely in I guess it, right? Yeah. Uh, he will be in the next one, almost right. certainly. He was supposed to die. But Ray. Yeah, he was supposed to die. Right? Ray, Kylo, and Finn are the main three characters. And what I love is this. They end the scene of, of Finn, and he's horrified by what he saw on the battlefield. And he puts his helmet back on, looks straight into the camera, cut to Ray with her helmet on looking straight right. into the camera. That's a really neat bit of like scene transition that they did George Lucas didn't really do that kind of like no, he's always with the white visual mirroring and things like that. Yeah, it's really neat. That's what uh makes me kind of curious as to the direction like episode eight's gonna take, because it would suggest that Finn's story is going to be just as vital to the sequel trilogy as uh, Ray and Kylo's. Yeah. Because we're we're told that through visuals in The Force Awakens, so why wouldn't it? I've got some thoughts about Finn, about how he might become important. Should we save that for our episode eight predictions episode? No. Okay. No, things... <laughs> things no, well, talk no, about no, it again. Things, things <laughs> Sorry in this we asked. Come up. I, I'm not going to say he is... He, he might be more on the Cheerit side of Force use. I think there are hints in this episode that maybe f- that Finn might have some connection to the Force. Well, it, it, it's tough because is that moment where he looks up from the horror of the battlefield, is that just that kind of almost cliche in war films where all the sound drops out and the, mm, the soldier funny, is yeah. horrified? It happens in Rogue One when Baze sees Chirrut die right. and all the sound drops out and he run. <laughs> I guess he also kind of used the Force. But, but, but also Kylo focuses on Finn. Mm-hmm. For some reason, his, his attention is drawn that. to him, and 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 later on, the from the village. And, and later on, when when they first use the Star Killer base to kill the New Republic, mm-hmm. Finn 
hears things and senses things and turns around as he's about to get on the ship. Oh. And I, but he wouldn't have been able to see necessarily. Yeah, it's just like his his attention is drawn, and you hear as the audience you hear screams and stuff that are not coming from where he is. That's true. So I, I wow. It could just be a, a movie trick, and they might not go with that, it, depending on what Ryan Johnson wanted to do. But they certainly laid groundwork for the possibility to have It's nice that everything that you said you can chalk up to just a kind of a filmmaking choice, but it's also a potential character right. choice, which is Wow, kind of great neat. job, JJ. <laughs> JJ, hey, I think, in all honesty, this is probably... Best I agree. Best director. I, I wasn't going to say best directed. I was going to say maybe the best looking... You know what, though? <laughs> it might be the best directed Star Wars movie. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And listen, guys, if you think that if you're a new listener, listen to me and Isaac talk and wax poetic about the prequels. Jake we like George Lucas a lot. It's kind of disgusting to hear three white guys in their 20s talk about the prequels in this vein because <laughs> it's exactly what you would expect. It's truly gross to hear, and yet we talked about it for a long time. But I got to say, J.J. Abrams did an amazing job of this yeah. movie. Can I ask a question? Was Finn a little bit too contemporary for your taste in this movie? In his kind of vernacular? No. Yeah, he was like from Earth a no, little bit. No, because here's why well, I'll say that. In the original trilogy, characters talked like that. Yeah. Like Han Solo talked, he was a little bit of a like brash kind of Flash Gordon throwback. But he was mostly, like he said a lot of modern slang and dialogue. I think for the most part. Droid please? They keep. <laughs> He did say droid, please. I think that was an improvised moment by him, actually, they say in the commentary. But yeah. no, I think that that's exactly the thing that they should have done, to be honest with you. It's something I talked about in the Attic of the Clones episode, where although I like the classic Hollywood style, the style to that should be mostly in visual and tone. The dialogue, if you keep that modern, you have something to ground the audience Right. In. Yeah, I feel like Finn was... He was the my, most modern yeah, of the characters. He was our point of view character, and my thing about The Force Awakens is I feel like everything it nailed and it missed ev it missed everything by like a tenth of a percent. Like just that little bit. And I feel like that's kind of like with Finn too. He's our point of view character and he's really, really good, but he's just off by like a tenth of a percent where you're like, that's a little bit close to home, literally. This is kind of like how it would go on Earth. And it's not really even a gripe. It's just something I notice. And I don't like to notice things in movies. I want to be able to just sit there for two hours and... Not think about my life. It's the reason why we like out. the prequels is we don't notice things in movies. <laughs> but no, um, I don't know why we're being so self-depreciating. We like those movies. We shouldn't be apologizing for it. Don't speak for Never everyone at the table. You are. Don't speak for everyone at the table. Well, Riley is a negative Nancy all the time. Yeah. We don't need to hear from his <laughs> lying mouth. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> How is he lying about his opinions? A different opinion is lying to me. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> okay, it makes sense if you now. don't agree, that's a lie. It makes sense now. So the way that we are... Um, introduced to Ray is interesting. Have you noticed this? She's going through this crashed Star Destroyer. She, we're, we're seeing her reaching in like kind of towards us. The camera's, you know, like we're like watching her dead on. She reaches in, she unplugs a thing and takes that. That shot is mirrored on Starkiller base. She has to remove something and they do that same exact shot where she reaches into the same kind of compartment and removes it. I didn't realize the first time I watched it that that was also foreshadowing a later scene. Yeah. Oh. But it's just a, all the imagery of her in this crashed ship is Very incredible. Good. It's so good. Um, Ray's introduction is is a great introduction. You learn a lot with no dialogue, hardly. Yeah. She doesn't say anything until she runs into BB-8. You get she's silent up until then. Uncar yeah. plot plot. 
Is it Uncar Plut? It is Plut. Uh, yeah. So he he says some stuff to her, you know, quarter portion, but but she she doesn't speak, and but you learn a lot about her character in her in her home, you know, with all the marks that she's made. You know, she's counting something. Her her look at the old woman who's scrubbing the the machine, the same the the same thing that she's scrubbing. You can just tell from her look, she's like, oh, that's going to be me in, you know, 60 years. I'm going to be that old woman who's still here scrubbing stuff. So even though she's like, honestly, she wants to stay on Jakku, but she doesn't. That scene of her watching that old woman scrub that thing is maybe my favorite just bit of storytelling shot in the movie. It's so brilliant how it tells a whole story about her fears of what she fears to become. It's really interesting. I feel like... uh, my favorite scenes in movies are rarely towards the beginning, but I really don't think I could think of... I guess I could think of one's comparable, but I don't know if I could think of one better than our introduction to Ray. It's just so... It's really pitch perfect to me. I, I found her... She was like my cheer of this movie. She was the character that I was just drawn to. There was an, an immediate like spark of charisma to her. There mm-hmm. was just something about her that was just immediately drawn yeah, to. Yeah, she's not like a mysterious, miserable character. There's, there's no. clearly like a lot of strength in her right off the bat. Now, okay. You may have heard of an easy bake oven at home. Now, this is not an e- well. Basically, it's not very hot. It makes things that are easy to make. This is a lot hotter than that. This is a hard bake oven because <laughs> this is a fiery <laughs> hot take. <laughs> Riley was very upset by that. Yeah, I as was. well he should be. Okay, I still am. I think that Ray is my favorite protagonist that we've had in a Star Wars movie. I like her better than Luke. I like her better than Anakin. And that's the only competition, other than, I yeah. guess, Ezra, which I've that's not really... Be, I, I still got to be TBD on that. I don't know if I'm ready to take that leap with you. I'm ready. Yeah, I, I'm not ready to take the leap either. I really I like, like Luke, Luke more when we see him in Empire yeah. than when I did in his introduction in A New Hope, I would say. Yeah, if you're talking protagonist introductions, this yes. is definitely the best. That's what oh, I'm saying. Yeah, I'm more compelled yes. by her journey right oh, off the yeah. bat oh, yeah. than his, sure. which is, I don't like... Being at home and having to do chores. Hers is, I don't right. know anything about my we've, life. We've gotten more from Luke since, and so he's That's, he's yeah. still up there for me. But yeah, you're right. As far as introductions go, she she killed it. We, my favorite acting moment of this movie Ooh. was from Ray. When see uh, it. It was on Jakku when she first runs into Finn, and he's saying, like, oh, yeah, I'm with Resistance. I'm yes. With Resistance. And when she's, there's, it's like one of the most humorous parts of the movie where she's like, I've never met a real resistance fighter before. And she does this kind of like, she moves her mouth. She is like, she met Stephen Hawking. Yeah. And she's like, oh my gosh, this amazing person. She Yeah, she's like a combination of starstruck and she's trying not to laugh. There was just the way she acted that. I, I find it hilarious and cute, charming. I don't know, all the words you could use to describe that. I just, I love that moment. <laughs> I don't know if it was cute. It's cute. Okay. Let me talk about one thing before we go back to the... Um, Kylo's spaceship family we talk about. There's something I notice on Jakku that's interesting because I'm not a fan of the sort of lazy planet art design in this movie. It's all a little bit generic to me. It's kind of like how in every Mario game you're going to get your forests, water, and fire levels, and there's a lot of brilliant stuff happening within them from a design standpoint, but it's kind of the same aesthetically. This is that, where... It is another desert planet. It is another forest planet, another snow planet. However, what this movie does really well, I've heard people complain about this, is the creature design is, like, off the charts awesome in this movie. What they do really interesting on on Jakku, and I think you see it later on Tokodana as well, but almost all the creatures 
are cybernetic in some way. Have you noticed this? Oh, yeah, I love that. Yeah, a lot of them are. I don't yeah. like the Lugabeast. You can't even tell what you're looking at with that thing. I was like about to Tito. mention that one. Tito and the Lugabeast might be like some of my favorite designs in that movie because, yeah, you really can't tell where the creature stops and where robot begins. The gigantic um, creature you see who's dragging that same thing that Ray's dragging, yeah. like, uh-huh. like her yeah. little cart of, of junk, he has robotic arms almost. So there's this interesting aesthetic you know, motif that's happening on Jakku where all the creatures, there's this motif of the planet itself which is these um the technology crashed into this naturalistic planet and you have these naturalistic aliens with kind of cybernetic or robotic junk looking enhancements it all looks like they have junk cobbled to them it's kind of a neat design thing i didn't really appreciate at first we don't see technology in star wars advance very much the technology in the prequels is about the same as the technology in the force awakens right but it's all kind of aesthetic but but i kind of like that cybernetics is the one thing that seemed to have advanced some. Which because, makes sense logically. Yeah, prequels, you get, you know, when Anakin gets a replacement, it's just a robotic arm. Luke, in the original trilogy, gets a, one that looks like a, a normal human hand. And now there's cybernetic stuff all over the place. So it's the one thing that kind of progresses, maybe. Maybe I'm it's, reading into something that's not there. No, that's well, a really yeah. neat observation. Yeah, and um, not just, like, some of these aliens we meet and stuff, too, but, like, some of the, the people even... Remember in the visual guide, it mentions the the uh, Guavian enforcers. Mm-hmm. They are like they basically sold themselves basically to be genetically yeah. enhanced by different cybernetics. Which, An initial nitpick I had about this movie was how can those Guavian Death King guys possibly see out of those masks? What you find out is they're robots. <laughs> they they're are, yeah, yeah, they are. No, they're, they're, they are their they're half and half. So we go back to space land Yay. to a Star Destroyer, which looks Destroyer, Star Destroyer. Which looked exactly like old Star Destroyers. Now, here's the thing. The aesthetic of the First Order, I mixed on it. It does look cool, but it is a little lazy to me. It's like, what if the Empire had red lights everywhere? <laughs> it's a little It's a little bit of your first thought is the only thought that the, they had on it. The whole First Order strikes me as kids pretending to be their parents. That's what works about it. And I think that's what works. Is there a meta element to it? Of like these are like worshippers of like the the previous regime, and this is how it would play out. Because remember, J.J. Abrams, when he was doing like the interview rounds for this movie, he talked about like imagine if the Nazis who escaped to Brazil mm. rose up again. This is what the First Order is, right? It's, yeah, I, I, I think I, it works for me, but I can understand how it's just slightly different. But I, I think that's on purpose. You know, it, it's a thing that. Just as a fan of how creative visually the, the prequels were, it is a thing that I... And the original trilogy at the time, you hadn't seen anything like any of the planets you had ever seen before. Like, sure, Hoth was a snow planet, but you had never seen anything like that before. Now when we see Starkiller Base, you're like, yeah, this is like Hoth. But there's some technology and it's just built in com- the ground. Just a complete ripoff. Of the new <laughs> it's not a complete <laughs> ripoff. But that, just design-wise, I wish that they had done a little bit more. Yeah. Now here's what I'll say. Kylo Ren's ship looks awesome. so good it's mm-hmm. an awesome looking thing a lot of this podcast is just us saying this looks really cool yeah but this friendship that happens immediately between hux and kylo <laughs> <laughs> absolutely just chemistry off the charts hashtag hux low. you can like feel the onset tension between those guys those two are gonna fight for the next two movies i kind of hope they hate each other in real life because that would really <laughs> that would add to come it. to bear now here's um I have a note that I, two notes I skipped past. 
<laughs> I'm just going to read this. The way BB rocks back and forth trying to convince Ray to take him. Adorable. Oh, that's... <laughs> He's Maybe great. my favorite part of the whole movie is just him kind of purring and oh, rocking yeah. back and He's forth. He's a good droid. He like dips his yeah. head down to like get his antenna straight. Yes. I mean, you just yes. rub his little chin, his droid chin. Just fantastic. And then I wrote down, when they cut to Poe in the interrogation room, the shadow on his face makes it look like he has a mustache, and it bothers me every oh, time. Oh, yeah, it's like a Fu Manchu. And I'm it like, looks like he has a big handlebar mustache. Did he it's really grow weird. a mustache during the interrogation? That was my first thought, yeah. too. Now, that Jake, is distracting. Jake, you're usually time. a fan of shadows, but you're telling me you don't like this You don't like <laughs> Boy, this shadow? A little shadow box over here. I'm not here. saying I didn't like it. I'm saying it confuses me, because I think, how did this character have a mustache? And then he moves his face, and it's like, the mustache is staying in one place. <laughs> right. Um, so, this escape is the first real bit of action that we get to see J.J. Um, Abrams direct, where they're, they take the TIE fighter, and it's really funny how it's still tethered to the thing, yeah. which is a clever thing. that it Most really great action scenes in movies, you can't imagine that no one's ever done it before. This is one of those things. like Things that are really convoluted, like why would they bother to go to this greater length? That's not as fun as something like, oh, what a great idea to have the thing tethered, and they have to figure out a right. way to detach it while people are shooting at them. A nitpick. Oh, no. Jake's nitpick corner. We need a theme for that. Yeah. Jake's nitpick corner. It would... Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm going to use that forever now. Oh, boy. Jake's nitpick corner. Finn uh, just shoots all of his friends. <laughs> I, I wrote that down, we, oh, too. Yeah. How do I we reconcile that? that? Yeah, I, that... Yeah, that's a that's a tough one. It's not one. really important, I but... wrote that down, too, this time, because he, he, he turns real fast. From I need out of this place to I'm going to kill these guys I've been hanging out with. When you think about something for so long and you finally act on it, you think he's already kind of separated himself emotionally. I guess from everyone except for FN2003, the guy who uh, <laughs> he's sad that he died when he uh, rubbed Is the ball on his face. Is that actually the number? Yes. Wow. Looked it up. Did you just know it because that's the year The Hail to the Thief came out by Radiohead? <laughs> yes. Are we talking Radiohead? Sure we are. Oh, boy. Um, the, so the way the, the stormtroopers are handled in this makes me think that you don't really get to become friends with your other squad mates. But why is he so sad when the one dies then? I don't why know. Does the one I don't reach know. Out and touch I don't his know face? if he's sad Here's or if he's thing. just going through some kind of. I don't know. Canonically, it's... this is his first battle. Yeah. And so he's always only been through like simulations or whatever. So this may have yeah. been the first time he had to see like. He's some... just seeing someone die. Yeah. Then... I'm not sure if he, he could be just going up to check and see if the dude's. If you can help yeah. the dude, because that's like, wow, part of your Lord's training. Bad. And then he's dead, and then he gets a little bit of post-traumatic stress or something, because right. all those weird flashes and stuff. And, and yeah, I don't know. The thing to me about Finn that is a little... And it's just, you have to suspend your disbelief, because who cares? But right. for a guy who was... And you even see pictures of him as a baby on the screen when they're looking up his profile. Mm -hmm. For a guy who was brainwashed and trained from birth, the dude... <laughs> Uh, is very well-rounded and friendly and affable and funny. <laughs> he I, yeah. has like a real good sense of humor and feels, has no problems interacting with people. I guess my my whole thing with how quickly he turns and everything falls kind of in line with my other theory. That's probably not true. That something has been awakened in Finn, mm -hmm. and maybe he's not. Wow. Maybe he's not a hundred percent in control. Not not that he's not in control, but maybe maybe he's being guided a little bit. I like that something. theory. I like the theory that. The Force called out to certain characters like Ray and Finn, right? And kind of like at the same moment they hit their Force like, puberty. Oh, the same because time. Snoke, Snoke himself says it. There's been an awakening. Have you felt it? Something, yeah. something happened. We yeah. don't know why it happened, but something happened to awaken. And it wasn't Finn like they were Ray. just born. No, it was they no. woke up. They, they yeah. got woke. <laughs> they got woke. <laughs> force style. Um, 
So, am I the only person who always thinks once they crash, once Finn and Poe, who are hilarious together, yeah, there's a bit of, in my opinion, clumsy exposition. I wish there was a better way to, to do this. When Poe says, Finn's like a BB unit, and Poe's like orange and white, one of a kind. So it's like, okay, so that way when you see BB-8, you'll right. know it's him. All right. Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah, I give you a pass movie because you're <laughs> pretty good. When they crash, the ship starts sinking into the ground and then explodes, I always think that a creature's going to come out of the ground. I was so confused the first time because I did not hear Ray's line to BB. She tells him, town's, yeah. town's this way, don't go this way, that's the sinking fields. I totally missed yeah, that line same. the first time. So I'm just like... I, I didn't I was notice e- it until really recently, actually. I was <laughs> expecting a you know, giant sarlacc to jump out of Jakku. Yeah, I was I'm like, what is happening in here? The, in the uh, yeah. New Hope uh, Super, Super Star Wars video game for <laughs> yes. the Super Nintendo, <laughs> yeah. that whole level, the boss of it was like a... It was kind of a sarlacc-like worm yeah. creature that came out of the that's sand. That's what I was expecting, And I thought too. they were going to do a callback to that. And then there was a big explosion, and I was so confused. I, basically, I'm dumb, and I didn't get it, but... yeah. That, we're all very stupid. Yeah. Not you know, fans. Finn was our honorary J.J. Abrams heavy breather of this movie. Is that a thing that happens in every J.J. Abrams movie? Yeah. He's our sweaty boy of the movie, for sure. He's <laughs> El sweaty boy. Is there one scene where he's not sweating? I'm not sure. Yeah, that's true. Like he's like our Jack from Lost who just... <laughs> <laughs> he, can't get his it's heart... true. he can't get his heartbeat under 125 BPM. <laughs> that's so true. Only I like Finn way more than I like Jack. I like Jack a lot, but he is... He, he... You're kind of not supposed to like him too. Like no, he's that's a huge true. jerk. Yeah, too. Finn's just a nice dude. Who's the heavy breather in? Well, I guess Tom Hanks is a heavy. Bre- oh no, Philip Seymour Hoffman's character is breathing, breathing directly heavy. into his microphone the entire <laughs> Mission Impossible movie. In uh, Super Eight, Chris Pine's a heavy breather a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Super Eight. I don't remember the kids. I don't that remember strongly. the kids that much. <laughs> that alien. Uh, there was probably a side kid who was. Presumably, there's a heavy breather in Super probably. Eight. Listeners, no, well, the, tweet at us. The thing in the Hashtag train. Super 8 Heavy Whatever breathe. was in the train, that was the heavy breathing. <laughs> the kid who manned that gas station who got killed. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, this little interaction when Finn and Ray first meet is the best. Yeah. They have so much chemistry. They really do. Apparently, it, they did not when they first filmed it. This Everything that we're seeing is... Reshoots? Hashtag reshoots, guys. Oh, interesting. Next time you complain about stinking reshoots. Reshoots are good. It was bad. It had reshoots, <laughs> so it was bad. Usually they make okay. reshoots for you know to make the movie better. <laughs> right. Why do people you know, make, it's like, they want to make the movie better? That's a terrible sign. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why are we upset about that? I know. Um, but yeah, because J.J. Abrams talks about this in the commentary, which is a really good commentary to listen to. Too bad um, you can only get it if you're by the movie again. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's a bummer. Disney, if you're listening, and I can't imagine you aren't, um, just put all this stuff on the same DVD, you Please. idiots. That's lame to make us... Bu- it's lame that you know that we're going to do it. <laughs> that is, that's the thing. That's what's annoying. They I'm know people will buy it again. 100% in control of my wallet. I didn't yeah. have to buy it, but I love director's commentary. So yeah, he talks about that they filmed this, and their initial reaction was that it was very contentious and not bantery or friendly at all. It was just all not trusting each other. Mm. Even when they got on the ship. So maybe it wasn't chemistry. Maybe it was direction. Maybe they were... I think the way it was in the script and their chemistry wasn't mm-hmm. there too, but by the end of the shoot, they had you know, right. grown. So they went back and they redid it, and it was much yeah, it's, better. It's good. Yeah. Now, the we already talked about how Ray almost crashed the Falcon a million times. <laughs> did you guys freak out in the theater? Can we okay, at least did, mention that? Yeah, did I? 
I it completely 100% got me. That scene where they wanted to get you with the Falcon, it got me. I was not expecting yeah. the Falcon at all. Some I've heard people say, "Oh, I I knew it was going to happen." No. No one knew. Like when they say it's garbage, that's just the throwaway line in my head that they're running to this other one and then it f- turns to the Falcon and I just I freaked out. It got me so good. What's so good about it? Because people who are kind of cynical about Star Wars, which is your right to be. It's a big conglomerate franchise, not but really. because you should love Star Wars as much as us. People in, in will the say same way too. they're just, you know, like it's almost some kind of crafty marketing that they're just pulling at your nostalgia strings instead of making a real movie. But what that's not true. What works about this moment so well is that you have forgotten about the Millennium Falcon right. and all the old characters. You're so invested in this story. Mm-hmm. It's so effective that when you see it, you're like, whoa, now the Millennium Falcon's been thrown in. My I reaction remember honestly that. was like I was jiving with this movie so well. Like it, it was cool, but like it didn't like – it wasn't a sensation of like, oh, finally, something right. from the original It's not trilogy. something I recognize no, good. Yeah. It's like, oh, wow. I was like, oh, this is cool. Now we're tying in stuff that I already yeah. like. Yeah. I think it was a good choice overall to wait so long to introduce the old guys. Yeah. I, I, I think it, it was a good choice to start this movie out with all the new people. And we, we, we really get their characters established in a good way before we see Han Solo. And I think that was a good choice. That's what's so good because... Let's say you are a new fan of Star Wars and uh, you know, you're watching these movies all for the first time, maybe even in episodic order because you're like, oh, well, I'm going to watch them one through seven. They're labeled one through seven. <laughs> You've just watched Return of the Jedi and you start off and you're like, wait a minute, who are all these characters? What's happening? There's the Empire's back and there's this new guy. So you're investing in this entirely new story. You don't know where Han and Leia and Luke are at. You know mm-hmm. Luke's missing. Yeah. And so then when you finally see the Falcon, you're like, oh, wow, there's mm-hmm. a lot that's happened. There's a lot of history here. Yeah. It these moments work when it works for new viewers as well. Like you don't have to be a huge Star Wars fan to really appreciate that. I feel yeah. like you know, yeah. um, this chase scene. Where does this rank for you in terms of like chase scenes and action scenes in Star Wars? It's pretty up there. It's for me. it's top whatever percentile for me. Like it's <laughs> I wanted specifics, but you gave me the Ord Mantel. This number was just higher than the last number. It's a design. <laughs> it's a general design. Um yeah, like I love the way this is tracked. I love that she uses the Star Destroyer, which she's has an intimate knowledge of because of her yes. scavenging. She uses that to her to her advantage. And like the climax of this when she does that little trick where she flips the Millennium Falcon oh over, my goodness. that is pretty awesome. Like that's something that as a kid you would think of. Like I feel like you're playing with your toys. Yeah, you're like, man, what if it goes over the edge and like it flips over and like shoots <laughs> right. up? Like that's something right. you would think of, but it works so well on screen. Oh, it's so cathartic every time it happens. I, I think the chase from when they're sitting there on Jakku running to the Falcon, all of that, that whole I count oh, that yeah. as like one chase. And I love, I love the little character moments where Finn keeps trying to grab her hand. Yeah, I don't think he's trying. To, I don't think that's for her. I think that's for him. Why he keeps yeah. grabbing her hand? It's like it's like Poe and him on the ship. Like I'm right. talking to myself. And also, when we <laughs> when we get to her force back, like you see Unkar plot pulling her away. So I wonder if that has something to do with it. Like if she has oh. some sort of like PTSD sort of like aversion yeah. to being, people grabbing her hand, being that's, grabbed by the hand true. and dragged somewhere. That is that is a really good insight. I'd not thought about that. Yeah, that wasn't mine. If someone said that. And yeah, uh, whoever that is, come on the show. I would have taken credit for it if I would have uh, had that I, idea. I, I take also, no credit when no credit is <laughs> It confused me a few times when I saw it, her reaction to when he asks, Are you okay? After like the first explosion, oh, yeah? and he's like kind of out for a minute, she wakes him up and he's like, Are you okay? is his first question. And like she gives this look that I was confused about for a while. I think, though, the more I watch it, I feel like 
she probably doesn't she she's probably never been asked that question since right. she's been on Jakku. Oh wow. And That's so it's it. it's like a little bit of confusion like this dude, I just woke him up. He just got knocked out. I woke him up, and his first thought is, "Am I okay?" Well, you know, that's what I understood from the very beginning. Oh, well, yeah, like, so the, smart. One of the times I saw it, in the <laughs> I was bragging. I just, it was well, one of my favorite moments from the beginning. That like she's like, I can't even understand the concept of a person asking me right. if I'm okay. Yeah, I remember uh, toward the when they're on Star Killer, that actually got me like emotional. One of the times, it really connected with me. When uh, she hugs Finn, oh yeah, and it's like no one's ever come back for me before, right? And so, yeah, that that kind of that oh, concept yeah, kind of her of someone else caring about her. Man, this is a good movie. Yeah, this is a very good movie. Hey, Jake, Jake's, better. Jake's I said my texting. look. You know what's great? <laughs> what's great? Besides Jake texting her. Uh, I'm face, sorry. Whatever. <laughs> But yeah, I, I think I said my love plateaued, but I, I like talking about it like this because I feel like it's it's getting better. It's getting better. There oh, might be some elevation. Yeah. I gotta say, my love is not plateaued for this movie. I, I took a break from it for like a I year. I watched it. I watched it today, and I did fall asleep at some <laughs> point. That doesn't mean I don't love it. I've I've seen it. Enough. Like well, I've, I've yeah. only seen Rogue One three times now, four times. I've seen this movie so many times oh, since it sure. came out. Can somebody explain to me? Someone explained to me how the gunner seat works in the Falcon. It I is, fundamentally don't understand it. It looked that crazy in A New Hope, though. That is the craziest seat, and I like that. I like that Finn can't get it down. But here's the, so when he she has to flip the ship upside down, right? Because the gun is in the forward position, he says, mm-hmm. which means it's pointing technically straight down at the ground. Yep. Is this a Jake nitpick? No, I really want to understand oh, this because okay. every time it takes me out of the scene because I'm trying to understand how it's working. <laughs> so he says the the gun's stuck in the forward position. I can't use it, but the forward position to him is the ground. She has to flip it upside down. So what? So is he sitting on top of a glass window that has a gun directly underneath it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's what I didn't quite yeah. understand. I remember okay. in yes. Attack of the Clones on the. Uh... Republic gunship when that clone is sitting in that little orb right. from Jurassic World. And it, and well, it looks just up. like the Death Star. And it uses green lasers just like the Death Star. You never noticed <laughs> that, that before? Like theory? No, it's just a real thing. You never noticed that before? Nope. It looks exactly like the Death Star and it shoots green lasers out of it. Huh. Yeah. Okay. I'm a real fan. Huh. <laughs> so, okay, so it, it, I feel it, like I understand it I now. think, yeah, the the confusing thing is that you can see out but I don't think that's what I, I don't get. think he's ever looking out. He's only when you're he's in looking that at seat, the You're screen. only looking at the screen. You're not looking out the out the glass. When because... he lands the ship, he's like landing on top of the gun. Yeah, that's really weird. Yeah, that's it. There's one on the top and one on the bottom. This is that's how... why, like in a New Hope, it looks like like Han and Luke are looking back towards that's each other. That's what I don't get. But they're actually looking up and they're down at up. each other. Guys, this is how little of a fan that I am. Yeah. But I didn't even understand <laughs> how the gun worked in the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> But hey, hopefully for casual babies like me, they'll appreciate that moment of clarity. What do you guys think of this whole Rathar introduction of Han Solo sequence? Can I say this? You can say whatever you want. This is our podcast. Thanks. To me, this is like, at first, this scene didn't really resonate. It didn't really click with me. Quick. Didn't click with me. Didn't click with me. For me, this is kind of like if Han Solo's character arc is a pop song then this is like the five-minute guitar solo. This is our most metaphor-heavy episode <laughs> yet. They're all coming from one direction, I'm noticing. <laughs> yeah. The band. <laughs> like a One Direction pop song. No kidding. With a five-minute guitar solo. Yeah, but it's like it's the the perfect mix of like Han Solo has got himself into a literal jam where he's got it coming from both ends. He's got Kanja Club <laughs> and the Guavian Death Gang coming out. He's pooping and him. throwing up at the same time. <laughs> exactly, as you do when you're a smuggler. 
He's smuggling right out of his butt. <laughs> Level of mature. Oh my goodness, guys. We need to take a little sidebar real quick. Okay, then I need to take a sidebar. There's a question <laughs> that I forgot to ask, and I wanted to ask it at the beginning of the episode. I po- I posited this question to the car group when we were trying when we were driving to Star Wars Celebration, and this is a really important question that I feel like not enough people are asking about Star Wars as a whole. I don't like this. Now, Riley, just listen. I don't like this. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If... Because this is a great movie. Ray is an amazing character. Mm-hmm. If her name had been Fart, <laughs> what is this? would you have been able to enjoy the movie as much? Everything is exactly the same. No. Everything's exactly the same, no, but her name is just different. It's just a different I name. I don't think I could. The I, entire movie. I think, but it the would... filmmaking is just as quality. The character is just as good. But if her name is Fart, does that take you out of the movie? I think every time they say Fart, it takes me out of the movie. Yes. My my, my thing though is this. <laughs> I, I think I've thought a lot about your question. I think it leads to a different question: is how ridiculous can we get with names before it becomes? It would take you out of the movie. That's like, kind of what started the conversation, I think. Yeah, because, like, what if there are no farts in the Star Wars universe? There's only, like... <laughs> oh, we know there are canonical farts. There's only, like... Yeah. fart. Sure they do. There's, like, little baby bottom discharge, and that's what they call it in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> Even adults. I had a little baby bottom discharge. No! <laughs> oh, no. 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 I'm so... <laughs> can I... What am I doing this episode? I don't know. Can I can I do my legitimate sidebar now? That was my legitimate sidebar. I, re- I realize this. <laughs> okay. You, no, so I would smart thing. I would not be able to take it seriously if her name was Fart. The That's whole just time. important to me. Like you watch The Godfather. If Michael Corleone's known he was name was Fart Corleone, no, I would, the, would the Godfather be as good as The Godfather no, is? It wouldn't. Just because the character's name's different. Yes, absolutely. Guys, these are the kind of philosophical, <laughs> philosophical questions we ask. I'm great. I'm talking. All right, fart. I'm gonna continue here. Okay, I'm gonna call you fart for now <laughs> for the rest of the episode. I've earned that. I, I it's it's an interesting thing, and I hope we get more stories in the future about droids, Fart. oh. about farts, and about droids in particular. Because the theme with Star Wars is that the main heroes, and there's a small exception in this movie, the main heroes are the only ones who who think of droids as people. Ray continues that trend. Um, Anakin definitely thinks droids are people. Luke thinks droids are people. Him and R2 are very close. Right. And and Ray continues that in the very beginning with BB-8 before she even knows him, she rescues BB-8 because it's not right for a person to be taken captive like that. And I, I think that's an interesting thing. Now, Poe also obviously has a good relationship with BB-8. But Han all, Solo but... says move ball. I was going to say, right. he dies a racist exactly. old He's an old racist. Exactly. So He's in, calling in... the group of Asians a bunch of little freaks. <laughs> and he does. <laughs> he does, yeah. He calls Kanja Club, who <laughs> are revealed to be just Asian men. <laughs> who speak like an English Who wear spacesuits. Yeah. They speak in just a normal voice. <laughs> they just... He calls them little freaks. Mm-hmm. They're the normal heights, too. They're not even little. But it, it's just an interesting note that there's only a few people in Star Wars who think of droids as people. And it goes to your point I think you made a long time ago with, with probably the droids and the prequels are why the universe is so against droids because of the things they've seen them do. And honestly, people do it today with technology. They associate are, them with People war are scared and... of technology these days taking all of our jobs. So yeah, it makes sense. But I, I like that all the heroes are cool with droids. I, that had nothing we, to do with it. No, 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 I just wanted to talk good. about it. We still talk about the Raptors. You know? Yeah, I was talking about Raptar. my guitar solo, and then Jake has to talk about farts. <laughs> <laughs> then I got to talk about droids. Okay, good. so the Raptors, I, I, I kind of love this scene, and just the way it escalates is a lot of fun. The thing, the design of the Raptors is pretty lame. 
it's, it's just, not great. It's just a. It's okay. It's. I I feel this was my note on it was that George Lucas had better taste in saying yes to art direction than J.J. Abrams does because when you watch all those prequel behind the scenes and even the original trilogy stuff when you look at that you know um, they would go through so many designs but Lucas has to be the one to say yes to one of them they do the same thing with all these new movies and J.J. you can watch it behind the scenes he's pointing to ones like yeah this one's great I feel like that was one that even ILM was like, well, this won't be the thing. And he was like, that's great. A giant ball with tentacles. JJ's creature design or creature choice is never, because he was a, that's he, true. he dealt a lot with Cloverfield, right? I'm pretty sure he was like a He was an executive producer on that. And the, Clo- and the Super 8 monster is not a great looking creature. Right. I, I'm sure there are people out there who like his aesthetic with creature design. It's just, it's not really for me. The creature design It doesn't ruin planets. anything in the movie. It doesn't with me necessarily. And uh, also, like it's, it probably does fall to JJ because they, uh, they brought Doug Chain back for this, right? He's yeah. doing, he was art direction for the sequel trilogy, and he, they brought him back from the prequels, and he's kind of like a Ralph McQuarrie disciple right. as well. Right, yeah. Man, I like Lucasfilm. <laughs> Lucas and the Rome, stuff they do, they're doing good stuff. <laughs> they're good. Um, do you know what we didn't talk about? Maybe we could cycle back on this. Captain Pahasma. 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 People were upset about the lack of Captain Phasma. Let's go back to the complaint complaint (laughs) section of our show. I understand where they're coming from because I think there's some really cool potential there. But I also think we're going to – we know she's back. I think we're going to see that potential realized and whatever. This movie didn't need to have that. That's what I'm saying. Like, this is just the – I don't know. I hope she's in the movie for like two seconds of episode eight just so people can complain again. (laughs) Because I really don't – because that's what – I talked about this in one of our earlier episodes – like, people saw her face on a lot of water bottles and action figures, and somehow that means within the movie itself. Like, people were cross-pollinating marketing with the actual movie product itself. <laughs> and I think that's kind of where you went wrong, because some things are allowed to look cool, but they don't necessarily have to have an amazing story behind it, like Star Wars has tried to convince us of that. But you get a person like Boba Fett, who we s- will never know a ton about when he was in the green costume unless we get a movie about it. So up to this day, I mean... We know just by, I think, as much about Captain Phasma in the movies as we do about Boba Fett in the movies. Yeah. I we'll think you're, book, though. you're allowed to look cool without having to have an entire backstory behind you to support the fact, like, they do, he doesn't look cool. He doesn't have a good story. That's <laughs> Right, are, yeah. Characters who don't look cool, they don't get complaints about not I, having a I good under- story. I understand where it's all coming from, though. Yeah, I'm, I do, too. I'm one of the terrible people who would love to have more Boba Fett stuff. I just love Boba Fett. And it's, yeah, sure. it is 90% because... He looks really yeah. cool. Yeah, I'm not opposed to any and, of this. Yeah. I just I, I feel like it's it's a flaw in yourself to call this a flaw in the movie. Exactly. Calling it's, y'all out. Exactly. Wow. It's it's not a flaw in the movie that she's not in it more. It's it's a choice. It wouldn't have really added around. It wouldn't have added much when to you the say overall plot. Underutilized, that is the wrong word. Like you can underutilize it's generally a perception thing. Right. You can underutilize something when you're baking something because that's a specific recipe. <laughs> but when, it, it's hard to underutilize it. Isaac and his Why metaphors today. Metaphors freely on my stupid <laughs> podcast. You can do it. It's you just a lot, it. and we're gonna call you we're out. Also on allowed it. to laugh at it. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. So, Han and Chewie. I've never loved Chewbacca before I saw this movie. <gasps> really. I, I did, I, you know, he was a cool-looking character. So as a kid, read, I had yeah. Chewbacca toys and everything, but I was he's not really a character. He doesn't get much in the movies. I, he doesn't have any kind of character arc in any of the movies. He's just there he's for like comedic Sam relief. And and, 
he's mm. a lot like that. Yes, I'm. I'm <laughs> what a weird reference. I'm I'm sullied by the EU where he, he gets more to do. But yes, you're right. In the movies, he, he doesn't get much, and then he dies. But so I was about to say Chewbacca doesn't die, but then he did die in the extended universe, expanded Hello, universe. Hello, Jake. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I'm gonna work on it. I'll do my expanded universe push-ups and really work on this. <laughs> so, um, no, he is a character in this one though, and has is. things to do. He has, and he has he does things that have genuine consequence on the movie. Yeah. Um the decision to have him take out a hyperspace splitting through the Rathar <laughs> is a pretty great visual. And you get mm-hmm. one of Lawrence Kasdan's best lines of dialogue he's ever written, which Ray mm-hmm. asks, Is that possible? And he says, I never asked that question until after <laughs> until I've done that, it. Yeah. That's, that's it's the great most, Han Solo. That's what gives me hope about the Han Solo movie, which right. I'm not super excited for just on principle, but the fact he knows Han Solo better than anybody. He does. He's, it's, it'll be a well-written movie, certainly, no matter what. It, people, like the nerdiest of nerds, and I'm one of them, but I'm not quite this bad. What, the nerdiest of nerds' big complaint about this movie is the science part. Oh, whereas, whereas, oh. like, like hyperspace. Got a real oh, Neil deGrasse Tyson head over here. No, ser- no, I'm not on their side. I'm just explaining. This is a complaint about complaints. But you know, oh, hyperspace doesn't work that way. It seems like everything happens so fast. It should take weeks to get from this planet to that planet. Blah blah. I'm just like, guys, <laughs> that'd be a very thrilling. Movie. I'm like, guys, just watch the movie. Like, who cares if he jumped from hyper, jumped into hyperspace from inside a ship? Should technically maybe that have destroyed the sh- who cares? I feel like watch cool. the movie. Isn't that it's it's cool. Us from Isaac, us from the first two episodes of this podcast just came incarnated in Riley's body and started complaining about something. From <laughs> 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 people saying, Don't look at the plot holes, just accept it because it's cool. I guess um, I yeah, I'm this is my prequel. No, the Force Awakens is my prequel. That's a weird nitpick to have though it is that's goofy you wouldn't be able to do that you wouldn't be able to do it ever anyway and the fact that you can see the star killer base shoot through hyperspace and they see that like on maz's planet but it's like you know watch a a movie take a little sidebar yes while we're talking about complaints sure what do you think about uh i'll just say the word practical effects what do you guys think about the use i hate i hate them all cgi terrible and the fact that it was kind of marketed to us that it, this movie was only going to have practical effects was the aversion to well, that. Well, that pre- wasn't really in direct it. response to the prequel reception. Because remember the sure. little feature that JJ put out where he said practical effects. I, they it was. You guys might find this hard to believe, but there is a certain group of people, and they're kind of a big group of people who don't enjoy the prequels as much as you guys. I've not heard about this, but continue. It's crazy. I, I know. And it, do I think? So I wouldn't know. Do I think it's pandering towards that that crowd that? is possibly in the majority that they're pandering hey listen this is not like the prequels we have practical effects just like the old star wars you like are they pandering yeah probably but i like practical effects and it works you know and there's cgi in the movies too and it looks good and you know i i thought i was watching this movie earlier this week and i thought to myself while i was watching it you know what if it wasn't for people who were pushing the envelope with with cgi in the first place you wouldn't have what I felt like was a pretty seamless transition between the CGI and the practical effects in this movie to a, to a large extent because there was, like, I remember people, like, they went through and tried to, like, they kind of tracked, like, was BB-8 CGI or practicalness? Oh, yeah. And it wasn't things. so easy to tell a lot of times. Right. And that kind of The first shot it. of him in the movie, CGI. Yeah. And so we're presented with things like that, and it's kind of a testament to where we are in terms of movie making where we can go back to making practical effects and incorporating them into the movie 
kind of, uh, I know Uncar Plutt was kind of like that too, where he was partially CGI, yeah, his, partly practical. All his face movements are yeah. CGI. Right. But, and so yeah. now we've gotten so good with CGI where we can kind of marry those two elements together to make the most. Something best. Like yeah. The best. And I think that's the real victory of this movie. Yeah. I mean, I, I love practical effects and I'm really intrigued by miniatures and things like that. Um, it's, the thing that bugged me a little bit is it was just kind of a disingenuous thing because, I mean, it's been stated plenty of times, but The Phantom Menace had more miniatures and practical effects than this movie did. <laughs> this movie had more CG shots than the prequels. So it's it's all relative. It's how it's displayed on screen and how it comes across, you know? And, and, like, I, think, and I think it's where you pick and choose because, like, right. I, it's it's cool to me to know that the giant pig monster that oh, is drinking absolutely. out of the water is like an actual real thing on set with like five or six yeah. people inside yeah. of it that's cool to know would it are, did we have the technology to make that cgi and look just as good yes it would have been fine but it's 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 purely from just like a movie making standpoint it, i think it's, it's cool a, yeah and i love like puppets and and things like that so i've always been really intrigued by that art craft and so I, I find it fascinating and i think it really helps the actors as well with their For performance sure. i think finn having i think BB-8. john boyega being able to look up at that giant pig yeah or to look at or to, you know, there you go i'm not a real fan half a boar half a boar <laughs> that's like me <laughs> or look at bb8 and act against that it helps it, it definitely will help the performance than looking at a ping pong ball bba is the most kind of astonishing achievement of this it's movie it's crazy when he came out on stage at celebration before it came out it's still mind-blowing i was like what oh that's a real thing that can move around understand. yeah i don't either yeah it's i don't want to learn because it's possible cool. um i hate learning so guys please we're, we're gonna call it a day with the first half of our discussion at tfa because we love this movie we want to talk about it in detail so we'll get to the second half of the movie in our next episode but if you are enjoying our show let us know somehow. Let us know why, because we don't know why. We don't like it. No, we do. We love doing it, and we see that people are listening to it, which is astounding. But uh, tweet at us. Write us an email at grandmoftalking at gmail.com. Tweet at us at grandmoftalking. None of them with apostrophes. Don't you dare. Um, <laughs> hey, don't you dare put an apostrophe. If you do it, stop listening to our podcast. Turn that radio dial. Yeah. You're a Sith Lord if you do that. A Sith Lord. <laughs> so... Uh, tweet at each of us individually. You can tweet me at Jacob Kreitz, C-R-I-T-E-S. Isaac? I am at IREC, E-Y-E-W-R-E-C-K. No apostrophe. Don't and you dare. And Riley? <laughs> I'm at Riles Bowman, R-I-L-E-S-B-O-W-M-A-N. Apostrophe? Mm, somewhere. F- figure it out. Listeners. And please, <laughs> if you're listening to us um, on iTunes, even if you're not, go ahead and write us. <laughs> it's called Apple Podcast now. Get it right. Oh, iTunes doesn't exist in the podcast realm. <laughs> Well, guys, I changed my mind. Don't do it. But <laughs> I was going to say rate and subscribe. Even if you don't like it, you're never going to listen to another episode ever again. Please give us five stars so someone else can give listen us... to it and not like it. Absolutely. <laughs> Keep the cycle of misery and pain going. Convince it's people the that... least you can do. <laughs> it would mean a lot to us because we have a few reviews up there, but there's three of us and there's like five reviews. <laughs> you do the math. So if <laughs> a couple more, we'll probably have an official, you know, actual rating on there. And we just like to know that people are listening and we've had some nice comments to us on Twitter. Mm-hmm. So it means a lot to us and it really makes our day. The only reason why we do it is because it's fun and it makes us happy that people actually, for some reason, find this podcast enjoyable. Uh, so guys, for another week, this has been 
Grand Moff Talkin', delicately curated, long-form discussion of the internationally beloved Star Wars saga tailored to the modern swing. Brought to you lovingly in weekly increments by the loquacious yet soothing voices of your host Riley over here, Jay over there, and Isaac. I am right here, no apostrophe. Bye. What are we saying before the delicately curated? Are we just saying our own thing? Hi, hello, welcome to. Welcome to. Welcome to. Welcome Welcome to to Grandma Grandma Talking. Delicately curated, long form discussion. Yeah. That's that's right there if you guys want to. Nope. I'm not. I refuse. I'm I'm going to try to do it. We need to at least somewhat entice people to listen to the show. This is already pushing. Welcome it. to Grandma <laughs> Talking. Lovingly curated. Yeah. <laughs> please, can we try it? Can no. Please try it. I like it. Welcome. Welcome to <laughs> Grandma Talking. Get your spoons on your knee. <laughs> Let's try it talking. Let's try it talking. Grandma, it's not called Grandma singing. I'm gonna try it singing so bad. Okay, let's do it. Are we? Si- are We're we all just- in that one tone. Yeah, everyone okay. stick to one note. Uh, 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 welcome to Grandma talking. <laughs> I can't do it. There's no way. There's no way I get. That's way too slow. You guys don't have like out. cookies still, do you? Like uh, last time, we have Remember ice cream. That? I can't eat that. You lactose intolerant too? Yeah. Can you talk about that? For I a have little bit? actual <laughs> health problems. I know, I know you do. I know you do. I really was in the hospital as a kid. I believe you. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just.